Good evening, good evening, good night, good night, whatever. You might be around the world and it's already daylight the next day. It's another KG, Fifth Water Wildcat Doc podcast you are listening to, and we appreciate your support. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Doing just fine today, young man. Doing just fine. Doc, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. There's a lot of interesting things going on in our neighborhood. Indeed, definitely that, and we... We're only a few days from our removed from our last podcast. Uh, but let's get right into it. First, well, what do we want to talk about? We want to talk about uh, we got a large gambit. Mac Brown stepping down on on his terms. We want to talk about U of H basketball stinking. We want to talk about the Rockets laying an egg Sunday night in Sacramento. What's what's the word? What you want to talk about? Let's start with Sunday morning. Well, Mac me, Brown. Let well, me get this out the way. Okay. I released the final poll of the Black College, uh, HBCU major and mid-major. So I want to give at least the top team that came out and made it done this year and give a little formation for it so we can get that done and out the way. Then we'll get into some interesting things about the background, follow up with the Houston in terms of some negative, and then we'll find a way to pick it back up at the end of the show. Sounds good to me. Go ahead, Doc. You got it. So let me get in here with the mid-major. No surprise to anybody here. Number one. For mid-majors, Winston-Salem State Rams, they had a huge season with wins over number two, Tuskegee, Golden Tigers. So that kind of tells you why they were able to get it done as the number one team. They basically were 8-0 in terms of teams against HBCU Division II programs. They did have two losses outside of non-HBCU programs, which is surprising because Rams had made the finals last year in terms of the Division II championship and the semifinals two years ago. But they booked in their eight wins in a row with a opening loss, obviously, to Winston-Salem State and, and as well to um, to a loss in the playoffs. Now let's get to the one that was a little more interesting, is, um, and you finalize and do it. Bethune-Cookman Wildcats, 10-3 and with six first-place votes, just edged out Tennessee State Tigers, 10-4 and with five first-place votes. Some people say, what's going on there? When you really look close at the numbers, some people said Tennessee State should get it. You may even see some polls out there with number one, but let me show you how we broke it down. The Wildcats were 1-0, perfect record against top five teams, including the win over Tennessee State, which did happen in the first game of the season. They beat them 12-9, and they went on the road to get that win. Yeah, the quarterback for Tennessee State, Michael German, did not play in the game, but it was a self-suspension by the court, uh, by the coach. Got it, then, it done. then they were also 3-0 and when you look at the top 10 teams that were in the poll fixing. So I think that kind of squares away and lets you know why, when you look close enough, that Bethune-Cookman Wildcats earned Dr. Cavill's HBCU Major Division Football Championship crown. And that's how we'll end it there. You know, they shared the MEAC Championship, had an outright victory over South Carolina State. So they got it done. If you want to see the whole final top 10 poll, you can go to – Onadon.com, that's www.onnidan.com, as well as tspnsports.com and also collegesportingnews.com to get all that. And obviously, you'll see some of that as I break it down on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Wildcat, you want to touch on something, the Mac Brown stuff? You were in Austin yesterday. You want to talk about Nick Saban? So you were down there? Yes, sir. In the mix? Yes, sir. When all this stuff. On the ninth floor. Wow. Memorial Stadium, sir. Ninth floor of Memorial Stadium. Yes, sir. It was a, a big old stadium. What were your impressions, sir? One uh, was the amount of press that was there uh, to see Mac right off into the sunset uh, as, a, as a football coach at Texas. Well deserved. Uh, because we all remember what it was like before he got there. That's right. It had been a while. It was a big gap between he and Darrell Raw. When they were relevant. And even though they were still getting kids, it was just like it is now. You know, recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. Lifeblood had dropped off. Uh, there wasn't a, a big connection to the uh, Texas high school football coaches. And in present, uh, uh, the one thing that, uh, one of the things that, uh, Mike talked about was that, that, that conversation that he had with, uh, Dale Rawls when he first got there. Um, and he phrased it pretty much, uh, <laughs> Too many BBs had fell out of the box, and the BBs needed to be picked up and put back into the box, meaning there were no recruits coming in, no connection with the high school coaches here in the state of Texas, and they were losing them to Oklahoma. And the alumni and, all spread apart. Right. And, and uh, no, no, uh, no cohesiveness with the, uh, with the alumni at that time. And 
uh, have been a long, long time before uh, uh, in between national championships. And on the wall, you know, they've got that those four. Uh, but they've, uh, as Mac, uh, Mac said, you know, as local product, Hiram Clark. HISD, baby. You know, let, let's just put this out here right now. I don't know of another high school football player in this state of Texas that can fill up the dome like that kid did during district play. We're not talking playoffs now. We're talking about district play and everybody that Let you Let me know. know you were there. <laughs> yep, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let me ask you all this. Go ahead. Because the last few days leading up to the press conference, all kinds of speculation and all scenarios kicked around. Max stepping down. No, he's not. Yes, he, no, yes, he is. No, he's not. Uh, Friday. Was it Friday? He said he wasn't yeah. going anywhere. And then Saturday, he announced that he was stepping down. He, he told the Longhorn Network right. that he was resigning. Do y'all think that's a case of Max simply wanted to go out on his terms, or there was sources that were just flat out wrong earlier in the week until now? He mentioned that yesterday. Uh, two things that, that came out of the conversation was, look at what happened earlier in the week with the president and the Board of Regents. And then Matt goes on a recruiting trip, and after having a conversation and all with his with his better half, Miss Sally, and you know the, a couple of the, uh, uh, his closer friends, especially uh, Joe Jamel in, in particular, um, he basically said, you know, it's time. That's that's just the way he phrased it. It's time for Texas to move on. And I've been doing this for a while, long while. I've been 16, uh, 16 long good years here at, uh, uh at UT. Uh, the Longhorns have been good to me. And then he went into, you know, his, his time there and he gave a little history about it. But it, from what I gathered, it all boiled around what happened earlier in the week, you know, with the president and then with, uh, on the recruiting trip. And he was just ready. <laughs> you know, it, it, uh, I have a little, go I ahead. respect that, and I have a little different take, and I think he should say that, and I think to some degree that it's true. But I think when you get to it, we're in the business, we do it ourselves. I think most folks, particularly where you were getting some of these sources from that were doing this, people don't want to necessarily give those people that have not directly been in what they see as the formal media process, they don't want to give the other people, similar to ourselves, credit when they get credible news sources. So I think, and this is from my sources as well, that most of this, if not almost all of this, was true. But like a lot of things in life, small things can change in a short period of time where things start to look a little different than what was initially came up. It was, the die was cast. Agreed. Let's not get this twisted from the standpoint. He knew that changes were ready to be made last year. And those in power, if they weren't going to try to at least respect Mac for him doing what he did, and he there's a lot of credit for that. One, bringing a championship, bringing them to another championship, and he'll he'll go to his grave saying if <laughs> Coach didn't hurt the show that he thinks he would have won that game. And yeah, we'll never know. Right. We'll never know. And so he has every right to believe that uh, in terms of him feeling that they really had figured out that. But l- let me close this out and not be too long-winded from this. I think those were credible sources. I think the die was cast. And they were ready to go, and they were going to make a run at Saban. But Saban didn't want to look at the bad guy when this stuff leaked. And – uh, I don't think, as much as I respect Mac Brown, I don't think he wanted to come in directly and be somebody that he couldn't at least work with that was going to overdo what he did. I think he still thought personally that he should have won that championship game and things would have been different. So I don't think he likes everything that Saban stands for. I don't think Powers liked everything Saban necessarily stood for in terms of how he does his business. But the power brokers, we know the big – Money people wanted saving. There were some others that didn't. And when all this started coming out and he had a chance to kind of buck the system because it floated out and he felt a little bit disrespected, which I can understand that. And he had a chance once Powers on Thirst 
understood that he was safe, it changed the game. He knew he could outweigh or outweigh Saban, and Saban didn't want to look like the bad guy pushing him out. So he pushed back a little bit, knew eventually that he was going to make the resignation, but he was going to do it on his own accord, not according to what everybody else wanted him to do, which basically was been Friday, which has been Nick Saban's deal would not have been signed yet. But once he pushed it back, Saban didn't want to look at the bad guy. He decided to go on and do what he's saying. And I don't think to be personal, I don't think the Saban deal is closed yet. I think it is much more likely, highly unlikely now. Uh, but if they get a little catch of the old trigger and decide to push that money out there, I don't think that's quite a done deal. Let's 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 talk let's touch talk, touch on that. Who do you think? Uh, give me some possible. We touched on this Thursday's podcast. Yeah, possible candidates to replace Mac Brown. Here's some names that have been out there. I want to hear some of them names. That you kind of <laughs> dropped as we coming in there because I think they're powerful. Let's get them on the record. Right. And you have some good reason to be. And can you, and can you say this up on the record without divulging anything, pissing folks off, anything like that? I'm not afraid of pissing folks off because it's basically those, the three names are out there. It's, it's connected. Um, and, uh, one name wasn't, wasn't mentioned in the, uh, in per se. None of the names were mentioned per se by anybody in, in, individually in the, uh, press conference on yesterday with, uh, Bill Powers and, and uh, Steve yeah. Patterson. But this is based but on your sources and on the reference. what you know in terms of what has been said and connecting the dots. There was a reference to Arizona State because uh, Steve hired the, the football coach there. Uh, the two here in the state, which, even, is? Uh, uh, which is Todd Graham, uh, the two here in the state that uh, everybody's, even though the contracts just got Art Browse and Kevin Summers. Kevin we Summers. know a contract is not worth the ink it is, and Tennessee definitely can pay it out. And, and and that's the key. And all it is is just a flat rate at all three of those schools okay. that can be paid out. Um, right now, those so three got guys. Todd Graham, who's the other two? Uh, Kevin Sumlin and Art Browse. Now, that'll shock everybody. And I'm going to tell you, don't. What's the, the connection that you believe that puts. Art Some of them in the in the action, in play. All three of those guys have got a uniqueness. One, they've all moved into a program and never looked back. Recruited well, kept winning, put the programs in position to get to a national championship at their particular schools. And the three of us all know you get to Texas and it totally changes. That makes sense. You 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 move into a playoff situation, a BCS game, the very next season. Even with the players that's there. Because there's one thing that's unique about Texas, you know, and people don't always want to say this, similar to like Alabama or anything like that, that it's like Texas and and um, and a Arizona State. The brand name of Texas is going to find a way to get that edge to get now what we're looking at as the Final Four. And if you're talking about four versus five with Texas or whatever, Texas is going to get that push versus if you're – Baylor and a Florida on that four or five line. Florida's gonna get that push over Baylor uh, when all things seem to be about equal, or even if it's leading a little more to Baylor. When that committee gets together, the brand names gonna get the edge. So that's what you're talking about when you make that final push and say, "Correct, correct." Um, the other they have to at least look at one outside, uh, another outside person that. Uh, was banded, uh, name was banded about was, uh, Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. Mm -hmm. T Bone Pickens is, 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 is who, uh, you got to bid against on that situation. Right. But, uh, we must admit, uh, Todd hadn't gotten to the, to the, uh, facility type, uh, to the facility situation that the other three have. But the other three guys have put, have changed the mindset of the alum, of the money alumni on yeah, campus. Two new stadiums going up. And one refurbished and one a brand new one on right. Brazos River. And every time Art talks about that stadium going up, Rivals. his uh he tears up, you know, because he he's a, he's just a good old country boy from you know not from the sticks, but well he can see it from Austin when he when he just takes a job up there <laughs> and, and uh, you know. You can drive past it. Say, now, what about I help build that? People, what about Shaw at, at Stanford? People are looking at him headed off to the league the next time around, right? And he's already said 
Um, no, thank you. Twice, two twice. different people said today. David Shaw said, I'm happy where I am. No, thank you. I really you. think he is. And, and so, I don't think he's somebody would just say that. Right. And and the other the other person that was uh, that was mentioned uh, at Louisville. Um, Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong. Now, what's interesting in this conversation is that was no shock in everybody's face when you mentioned Strong, Sumlin, Shaw, and Sumlin. Which showed you how times have changed on the 48. There you go. That's where I'm headed with that. Because those three men look like us. They were just like, <laughs> get into it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like. They weren't like, oh, hey. <laughs> yeah. They, they were like. Well, cons- they can cons- win. Considering we know this, yeah. we're tired of losing. <laughs> considering that when it was, when Sumner's name was mentioned at U of H, it was a look on everybody's face. Yeah. Now it's almost like, yeah, damn, we missed that on that. <laughs> we, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't play that well. But you're right. It was like, wow. Sure. Here we are on this campus, one of the last schools. You're right. To integrate, to even accept mm-hmm. the on, on the Southwest Conference. Now, and let's, we joke, but we're also serious. They're probably, probably, or I feel safe in saying that there are still some old, oh, yeah. Longhorn alums. They're like, hell oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Ain't no way in hell we can hire one of them. Yeah. But yeah. the younger, younger ones with equal money have to say, look, we're tired of losing. Right. Those three men mm-hmm. can help us win. And, and if that's the bottom line, we can get one of those three. Let's go ahead and get it done. We'll yeah. see who wins the power struggle. And I'm going to tell you the way their alumni attorneys, I'm saying this because Joe DeBell, whatever he put in, this, in Mike Brown's contract. The man's name is on his <laughs> Whatever he put, I'm saying it just like this. Whatever he well, that put, was a strong move by Mike Brown. That's when you smart, when you go get one of the most powerful alumni and, to be your agent, lawyer. And, and the funny part about that, we all laugh because, Max said, you know, everybody was calling me like, you don't need to be listening to Joe DeMeyer. Max said, he's a friend. He's a friend. That's that's my friend. <laughs> you know, that's he's my 80, friend. You just have to be a powerful he's past attorney. 80, he's past 80 years old. You know, you know, he's old enough. He's earned his right. He can talk about whatever he wants to. Yeah. Ain't nobody going to shut Yo, him up. <laughs> this is the man who told you. Y'all can find a man if you want to. I'm up for the lawsuit on you. Say, oh, your own university? Watch me. And that was, and that I'm, was I'm, the fun I'm, part. That was a fun I'm, part. I'm glad to to say this. This is the first time we're doing this during our podcast. We're taking questions via Twitter, my Twitter handle, and we will evolve in it, having everybody tweet each other individually if you want to. But, but for right. simplicity tonight, I put out there right before we started the podcast, if anybody had questions for us, we got a response. Hooray, hooray, we got a response. People are paying watching my Twitter handle, so that's good. It's from our colleague, Kim Davis. Wants to know what what happened with the Rockets last night well, versus the Kings. Well, I was excuse me. So. Oh, it's no problem, no problem at all. Basically, it didn't look good. I'll say that. What it's what mean? happened. What I said in the last podcast. They played down to the level of competition. You know, the Kings are are not a great team. They're not an elite team. Certainly, they had Demarcus Cousins. <clears throat> excuse me. Once of the once one of the top. Young big men in, in the NBA. They uh, traded for Rudy Gay to help them get more scoring, to balance out the scoring between Rudy Gay and DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, the Kings ran rough shot over the Rockets. <clears throat> Rockets missed. I need to get the stats because listen to it didn't do it justice because they couldn't make field goals. Oh. They couldn't make free throws. Oh. Uh, James Harden rolled his left ankle. Jerry Milan was out. With uh, back spasms, and apparently those spasms are just—he's are brutal. So I'm gonna ask this. He said they said he couldn't. It was hard for him to sit still on the plane coming back. He's probably not playing Wednesday versus the Bulls here at at home, so his back is really, really bothering him. So hopefully that'll work out. And today's practice—they only—they only only had eight healthy guys in practice today. Yeah, they shot 58 percent. As you're talking about 22 or 38. And free throws. Now, I'm going to ask you, since you and I have witnessed uh, uh, an athlete on the one, level. Let me throw this one okay. in there. I got to give you this because he's talking about the stats. I know people want to see, you know, we watch the game, but give them a little inside information on the numbers. They were 7 of 27, 25%, 26% from the first. Oh. And that's, and that's oh. they rely on that. That is one of their oh. key weapons in winning. Brutal. Running, transition, getting bucks in transition, but knocking down threes. Seven twenty-seven from three isn't going to get it done. Doc talked about the 
missed 16 missed free throws. Eight of those were by Dwight Howard, which is ironic because Friday against the Warriors, I think he was eight for eight from the foul line, right. which may have been the oh, first time in years that he was I, I missed something. from the I foul line. Something. But a whole bunch of things going on. Plus, Kevin McKay wasn't there because he was spending time with the family after the passing of his of his mom a few days ago. Um, definitely. So, you know, it's a different voice there. Kelvin Sampson was one and two with, with Coach McHale, not uh, with the team. Uh, McHale should be with the Rockets back coaching the team Wednesday. But it's all a bunch of factors. It's the third game, final game of a three-game West Coast road trip. I think the Kings Rudy Gay with his first game. Played Rudy Gay's first, first home game in front of the new fans, Sacramento fans. I think the Kings wanted to prove something to the Rockets. Rockets is just it's what they do. It's not something that I think is a good thing, taking teams for granted, playing down to the level of competition. It's something they need to get over. And, of course, tur- turnovers, once again, that's 17 turnovers. It's And it's everybody's. Looks like the box score, eight people, seven people had turnovers. Had at least one turnover in the ball game. So they took turns, giving the ball away, missing threes, missing free throws, uh, Lost about 15 points, 106-91. The game was over early, fourth quarter, really. And it hit, hit a wall, and it was time to just move on and focus on coming home and focus on the Bulls Wednesday night. Getting closer to the <clears throat> Daryl Morey trade mm-hmm. deadline, self-imposed trade deadline, trading Omir Asik. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give kudos. There's a whole bunch of rumors. ESPN.com, Mark Steins was the first person to report earlier this month about the window that Daryl Morey gave himself for a trading Omir Asik. Started on the 15th through Thursday the 19th. 15th is when is the first date free agents, NBA free agents who signed in the offseason can be traded. And the 19th is the final day of the season when anybody acquired in a trade can be dealt again before the February 20th trading deadline. So that's why Morey did that. Everybody knew back when the Rockets acquired Dwight Howard that Omir Asik's days as a Rocket were numbered. So now we're getting down to the nitty-gritty these final few days. Uh, Chris Sheridan of SheridanHoops.com has a writer on his, on his website, SheridanHoops.com. He's written there are five potential teams that may be in line to give Daryl Morey what he wants. He, he wants a backup, backup center and a 2014 first-round draft pick. And the first... The 14 pick may scare some folks away, so you got to it narrows down the teams who can deal with you. Five teams to keep your eye on, listeners of these podcasts: Philadelphia 76ers, the Atlanta Hawks, the Charlotte Bobcats, new team that came in and mixed last day or so, the Boston Celtics, and then the Cleveland Cavaliers. Cavaliers with Anderson Varejao, might uh, be a good ideal fit for a Rockets team because he's a great offensive rebounder, great rebounder, and more he's big on stats and. Stat-wise, very jobs really off the charts comes rebounding. <clears throat> the Hawks are kind of off the, kind of throw me off talking about getting uh, Paul Millsap in the trade, and I can't see the Hawks giving up Paul Millsap to take back Omer Asik. They just signed Paul during the offseason at a, at a two years, $18 million contract. The way Paul has played this season for the Hawks, it's like a bargain for them. So I, that seems kind of unlikely. Sixers, Thaddeus Young is one rumored uh, player. I don't, he's not really an ideal Power four, he's a stretch four, but the Rockets have a kind of guy like him already in Terrence Jones. So the other possible Sixers uh, player involved in the trade would be big man Spencer Halls. He's a seven-footer. He's tall. He's also a uh, he's more of a backup center, but he's a shooter as well, a perimeter big man. So that's possible. Celtics are more, they're just, you know, they got flexibility, youth, draft picks that they can toss out. So we'll see who they are possibly looking at, you know, because we're not going to, it's not going to be Roger Rondo. Rockets can, Rocket fans can hope and pray and, and, you know, hope Danny Ainge blinks and decides to throw Rondo in the trade. But Rondo's been clear to practice. He's expected to join the Celtics and play again in January. So I thought they'll give up on that. Sort of possible, uh, Celtics rumored in the deal. Brandon Bass. Not a bad fit. Kind of undersized power forward. Uh, Courtney Lee. One of Woodley's people. Kelly Olenek, big man from Gonzaga. Yep. Uh, Jared Sullinger, maybe, or Jeff Green. So those guys possibly would be involved in the trade. So we'll see. I'm looking forward to it. I like trades. It makes things exciting. 
Rockets only have one game between uh, before the deadline. That's Wednesday against the Bulls. So uh, we'll see how it all plays out. If I had to pick somebody, oh, I forgot about the, the Bobcats. Bobcats have really picks to toss out there. Uh, Portland's pick, the Pistons pick, both 2014 picks. Uh, not really anybody else there. I can see them giving up on it. Maybe Bismack Biombo, who is a shot blocker. He played really. He's slowly coming into his own. Maybe Michael Gilchrist with Kentucky, but I don't think they want to give up on him so quickly. I think the Celtics are a possibility because of Daryl Morey's relationship with Danny Ainge, both GMs. I think that's possible. I think that's probably, if I had to pick one, that'd probably be the one I'd pick right now. The Celtics would be the favorite of the, uh, of the five teams mentioned here. Who knows if anything between now and deadline on, on Thursday, I keep saying deadline, but on Thursday the 19th, changes. Somebody may blink and say, I want to give you somebody else to sweeten up and make a sweet deal. That's one thing Daryl Moore is good at. He's good at playing poker. So we'll see how it all plays out. We're talking about the trade. I want to open this up. You know, we're locally based but nationally respected. Are there any other hot trades nationally when you look at the landscape NBA that you may think are important to kind of keep your eyes on or ears to? Uh, Not yet. I haven't heard it. Omi Arsic is, is the big one with the 15th pick coming and going, free agents being on the market not to be dealt. I think we'll start hearing more names tossed out there. Okay. And uh, between now and February, that's one thing I think we'll be focusing on featuring during our podcast is, is NBA trades and rumors and things like that. So I'm looking forward to putting my ear to the street and, and getting more into that kind of thing. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, a few weeks ago, um, Deion Waiters from Cleveland, guard was out there being t- uh, talked about in, in trades. The Miami Heat were were and are possibly looking at uh, getting a guard to help spell uh, Dwayne Wade, and they're kind of lacking in, in guard depth. The Bulls are now with Derrick Rose out for the season again, probably finally going into a youth movement. So they may uh, report they're going to cut Mike James from a Rocket, Mike James from a Piston, Mike James. They start adding, giving more time to the younger point guards. So it's, it's heating up. Uh, the Knicks, the Knicks are just the Knicks. They're, they're shopping one of their best young players, Iman Shumpert, possibly to, uh, anywhere, Toronto for a Kyle Lowry trade for a 2018 first round draft pick. Wow. 2018 because they don't have any other draft picks between now and then to trade because already they sent them away and other bad deals. So that's being out there. Pau Gasol may have put his foot in his mouth yeah. and may have forced himself out of L.A. And one possibility, very weak possibility, was going to the Knicks in a deal involving Tyson Chandler and or Iman Shumpert. So we're going to hear all kinds of rumors and, yeah. and GMs lie to you right to your face. You know, but that's part of the fun of it all. So <laughs> that's one thing I love about Houston Ron Barview basketball. My website, HoustonRoundBarView.com. I'll talk about the trades. I mean, do it on, you know, t- discuss it in Twitter and uh, things like that. My Facebook fan page of Houston Round Bar Review, uh, Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel, Houston Round Bar Review Instagram. Thank you for bringing that up, sir. And I like how you you mentioned our, our what I think will be our tagline. Our tagline. Say it again for the for the listeners. <laughs> Locally located, but nationally respected. I think that, 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 that's us in a nutshell. And while we mention that, how can folks find you, Doc? Yes, they can find me as I'll be talking about some interesting moves on the HBCU landscape. As football season is basically closed, that means that you have some teams shopping for some coaches. So we'll talk about some of the open coaching positions, some of those names that are out there in terms of interesting positions, namely as Grambling has announced uh, head coach there, we start moving in that, and now we're starting to look at Mississippi Valley State, uh, one of the more difficult jobs, interesting jobs, to see if anybody can resurrect that uh, program since the days <laughs> of uh, Jerry Rice. And wow. Like Totten in terms of what they can do. They really have been out of the mix since then. Alabama A&M, which is quietly a very solid program to look at. North Carolina Central is a program that moved from Division Two to Division One as they try to get in the mix in the MEAC conference. And then you have Morgan State, 
That's one of those old programs that remind people around here. A similar Prairie View that had was nationally known, uh, Hall of Famers in terms of three similar to Grambling State played them in one of the annual uh, classics that was held in New York for the first time. Uh, and that program has fell on hard times, uh, far worse than what we heard in this area in terms of what Prairie View and we know how they resurrected the program, ran for a championship, and now is trying to uh, maintain that, rebuild that, however you want to look at it. They're looking for a coach. And the reason I kind of bring Prairie View in that um, forefront is Frazier, the coach that rebuilt Prairie View in terms of a championship caliber team. Obviously, he was at North Carolina Central, was left go. He's from the Baltimore area. So be interesting to see if that's, you know, a place that would consider looking at him because he has rebuilt, resurrected programs all the way from his alma mater at Bowie State to Prairie View. Uh, restarted that in North Carolina Central was well on his way. Uh, before everything took place. So those are some of the things that you can look at. And you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Uh, just to give you some ideas of things of that, you can also look at me in terms of the email at kcavill at thg-agency.com. And finally, on the blog spots where you get that discussion, you can see me with my polls, in terms of football, top 10 mid-major and major, as well as basketball, men's and women's mid-major and major to come. Uh, and that is at tspnsports.com, collegesportingnews.com, and onadon, www.onnidan.com. Also, as we move in there, one other thing that we want you to keep out thinking about, this is your place for the overtime coverage of your favorite sports as we continue to move with the KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc Podcast. Um, on yesterday, I loaded up everything. Uh, the Who are you, sir? I am Fifth Ward Wildcat. I am, you can find me on the media platforms at AKSV, the CSR, blogspot.com, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, if, you, if that's all confusing for you, go to kingsizeview.com on the front page. You will see College Sports Report, and you can see every post-game video from Saturday's game with HBU, HBU Huskies nice. men, and uh, they lost to Texas uh, Arlington, UTA, U- UTA, and Mr. We, we Brandon were both Edwards. There for there, yeah. Oh, Brandon young man, put only two points in the second half. <laughs> UTA, yeah. He only had two rebounds in the first half. Went this off. young man, when coach said they challenged him, you can you can hear it directly from coach's mouth. Uh, Scott Cross. He answered. He answered he, the call. He, he put on the show. My first time seeing UTA. Uh, and and you know, by HBU. the way, they're in the Sun Belt. They're, they're not in the uh, West. Thank you, sir. Thank you for that. Um, I don't want to say your thunder, but yeah, we, we no, were no, both in, in Sharp Gym watching watching the game. And the Huskies led 46-38 early second half. Oh. Next thing you know, Brandon Edwards says, I got this. Enough is and enough. And just took, <laughs> took over the game. <laughs> and UTA won by 10, 80-70. So... Yeah, yeah, it was ugly. But uh, on Mac Brown's uh, exit speech, and then you'll also hear um, from. So you actually have the exit speech when you were down there. You had. Oh yeah, he he wrote out a. a, a, a so people can page. come and see his yes. exit speech. Yes, it hit directly from his mouth. Good. I didn't ask any questions because it wasn't in the need. Everything that he I, uh, that I thought about, he was there to answer it. And you also hear from. Bill Powers and Steve Patterson in the second part is broke up in four different parts only because of the length of the uh, uh, video, uh, the uh, discussion. And I'm kind of glad about that because it's all there. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's any question you thought. Yeah, what YouTube channel is this, sir? It is. Or is it on your blog or is it on both? What is it? What, who are you it's again? On my, it's on my blog. It's on my YouTube. It's AKSV, the CSR. Go to the front page. Of a kingsizeview.com, you'll see the college sports report. Tab that, and it'll come and scroll down, and you'll see what has happened, transpired from Saturday to Sunday. Also, you'll see the post game of uh, UT Lady Longhorns game against uh, Sam Houston State. Um, it wasn't wasn't a pretty sight, but what I noticed, the biggest difference I saw on yesterday from them, the Lady Longhorns, confidence. It wasn't about, you know, okay, we got a lead. 
and let's just go off in a different uh, go off or go left. They stayed focused. Coach Ashton kept them focused, and every time I, cause I asked her, I asked a question. She said, "Every time out, you got to keep them focused. You got to stay focused." Well, you know, you're the leading follower in this area, definitely for some of the Olympic sports. So while we're hot on this, don't want to let you get out of the Longhorn framework in terms of the volleyball team. Are they going to make a run at the championship? Are they going to bring that home back to back? From what I was told yesterday, yes, sir. I don't see why not. Yeah, <laughs> because they they've got some people on that on that on that squad. Let's and let's cover it all. Yeah, we talked about the Longhorn women's basketball team. We're going to touch on Duke, Connecticut, one versus two matchup again. Here we go in, in a few moments. But got you. But I want to talk about the Houston Cougars, uh, men's basketball and women's basketball. We touched on HBU Huskies for a moment. Prairie Pre- Preview, even some good news. Good news, despite the loss, the Cougars lost. On the road in overtime to Louisiana Lafayette, seventy-nine, seventy-six. Another bad loss for the Cougars. I don't care if the Lafayette is six and three or whatever the record is, whatever. <clears throat> I agree. But Tayshawn Thomas, junior forward for the Cougars, one of the few bright spots on this year's team thus far, was named Player of the Week in the American. Uh, that's well, that's two for him. That's two for him this year, yes, sir. Now, list of these numbers. He shot seventy-eight point three percent from the field. 83.3% from the foul line, which is a lot for him because he's about a, a sub-60% free throw shooter coming into this week. <clears throat> Excuse me again. He averaged 23 points, 4 blocks, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists in their two games this past week. So he's doing yeoman's work, sometimes playing by himself, unfortunately. Uh, he's averaging 17.5 and 9.3 rebounds in the Americans. Top three in both categories. So that young man deserves credit for what he's doing. He needs some help from his point guard. He needs some help. Hell, he needs some help from his coaching staff <clears throat> to get the players in the right position to maximize their talent. Dan Rat, Chicken Knowles got some recognition and the, the other honors That's by the American. Chicken Knowles. You know, Dan Rad, friends call him Chicken. Coach Dickey. Yeah. Calls him Dan Rad. So that's what he refers to him by his government name, Dan Rad. I asked Coach Dickey that point blank, point blank at the media day in Memphis. And I said to him, Coach, you always refer to him as Dan Rad. And he says, Coach answered, Chris, you see the video on my YouTube channel, Houston Rombard View YouTube channel. Chris, his name is Dan Rad. He answered to Dan Rad. That's why I called him Dan Rad. You know, I'm like, his mom named him Dan Rad. His mom called him Dan Rad. I called him Dan Rad. I said, fair enough, coach. And so I, I asked, I asked Dan Rad point blank, what do you prefer? It doesn't matter. Some folks call me chicken. That's fine. Dan Rad's cool too. It's my name. He's so, he's so laid back, you know, being from, from the Bahamas. He's just laid back, young man. He's whatever, you know, whatever makes you happy. <clears throat> so, but, two, two young men are playing well for the, for the Cougars. The team overall is not, it needs to play better. They're playing, and I, what I think is a huge, huge game this Saturday at Toyota Center, three thirty versus Rice. You better text me and let me know what's going on. Shootout, part of a doubleheader. Second game is Aggies versus the Sooners at six p.m. Cougars cannot lose against Rice if Dickey wants to keep his job. I'm just telling you, if the Dickey, Dickey and his staff want to keep their job. They can't lose the right. They just just can't lose the right. They lost the rights last year at at Tudor Fieldhouse and came back and beat them twice, once in Hawk Fines and once in Computer Tournament. They just can't lose the right this year. I'm not knocking rights, but this year's Cougars have more talent. Well, hell, than last year. But I'm not sure who has better coaching staff. Honestly, I am not sure. I'm glad you mentioned that. because I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's what I referenced. If... If it comes down to coaching, Rice is going to win the ball game. That's my opinion on that. But tickets are still available. I have a, a, a post on my Men's Who's blog. More information about the doubleheader, the Dickies shootout. Dickies as in the sponsor. You know, I got so I got somebody, one of my friends joked about me, tweeted me today, did you make up 
the hashtag Dickie Shootout like it was a joke. I said, no, man, that, that's what it is. That is the hashtag, Dickie's Shootout. Dickie's is a sponsor. And there's some more information about the doubleheader. They're having fan promotions. Now, check this out. This is what they're kind of expecting for a turnout at this doubleheader. Go ahead. The first 200 fans at Toyota Center on game day that wear Dickie's branded apparel will receive a free ticket. The second promo will provide a free ticket to the first 40 fans at the arena with the receipt from Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue. Rudy's! will be available starting at 2.30 p.m. outside the arena on the LeBranch Street side of the facility. More information, go to dickiesshootout.com. Give me all kinds of information on my blogs, man. See, I'm, you know, all kinds of information on these podcasts. That's why we are KD, the fifth of Wildcat, and Doc. What are your thoughts on that? I know you'd be in uh be in Dallas, Arlington, Arlington for yeah. the football high school football playoffs. Yeah. Championships, right? Yes. Yes. So give me a prediction, sir. Will I be texting you some bad news? Or will I be texting you you ain't got it done? <laughs> Either way, I'll be happy. Only because there's two local teams and somebody and, and they they basically need to separate themselves from each other, literally, basketball wise. And in, in this time. Only because they're both in two different conferences, uh, and I'm I hadn't had a chance to have a long conversation with Coach Brown. Uh, I expect that to come next week, uh, pro- hopefully uh, Friday if he if he's got time and all in between, because that's when they're supposed to do the walkthrough over at the uh, Toyota Center. But they need to separate themselves. You know what time that is? Now, you'll get some I'll good be, time. I'm, I'm planning to be there. You know. You know, because uh, I'm over at. Uh, Rice for the women's game. Uh, Rice women's game on, on at one o'clock. Yeah, I'll be there for that too. So yeah, and that, now that that should be a, a disgrace. And I'm, I'm expecting Rice to lay a smackdown on the Cougars. Jessica Custom may go for thirty and twenty, just you know, because because she can. <laughs> because Doc, to be honest with you, I hate to say this, but I know my compadre will agree with me. There's nobody in u- in uniform now. In uniform. I ain't going to stay on the bench, but nobody in uniform is capable of slowing that young lady down. Mm. And I mean literally slowing her down. Because mm. stopping her, that ain't going to happen. And, and the Cougar women lost uh, Sunday to Texas State on the road, uh, 70-63. I do believe, oh no, I was going to say it was State's first win of the season. It was their second to improve the 2-6. and six. Cougars followed three and seven. The Cougars led at halftime by one point. Both teams threw up bricks from the foul line. U of H missed twelve. Texas State missed thirteen. Uh, but Cougars are now three and seven. They play Rice on Friday. I truly, I'm not. Let me be sure here. This may be the Cougars' last game before a conference play starts. Heaven help us if it is. Uh, if it is, it is. Oh goody! After the Cougars play. December 20th versus Rice. The next game will be December 28th versus UCF. That's a home game. And then New Year's Eve at 2 p.m. versus South Florida. Both conference games, both at home, and the Cougars will still start at 0-2 in conference. Disagree or not? (laughs) (laughs) No, I sure don't. And on the men's side, after the U of H men play Rice on Saturday at Toyota Center, their next game will be on New Year's Eve to start conference play inside Hawthorne Pavilion versus the Connecticut Huskies. And as they say, it all starts right there. That's when the big boys come to town. Separation. And we'll see what's what, and we'll see who can man up, man up on the fella's side, women up on the girl's side. I think it's, sadly, I think it's going to be both programs, U of H programs, in for some serious losses. Once conference play begins, and then we'll see what the administration decides to do after the season. Anything else on your brain, fellows? Doc? No, that's all I had. Like I said, the biggest thing is I'm interested to see who some of these new coaches will be coming into the HBC football landscape. And obviously I won't follow up and see who Texas is going to land with their football coach. I'm glad you mentioned HBCU because I forgot to, to give uh, Montreal Scott from Prairie View. He was named SWAC Player of the Week today. So uh, kudos to him. I'm glad you mentioned that. And uh, 
they lost TV lost on the road to UCLA, which we not expected. You know, they lost ninety five seventy one. And I but, got uh, that phone call. Montreal scored twenty seven points in the ball game, so you know he he played well enough to he shined in, in the team's loss. Kirby's next game will be on the road versus Western Michigan in Kalamazoo, Michigan. So uh, he was named Swag Player of the Week. That's a good thing. That's a positive. At least Coach Rim does have some players there. And as we, we expect, that uh, it's hard to win in non-conference. It's a lot of HBCU. So, but once Swag Play starts, specifically for, you know, TSU and Prairie View, who we, who we care about, who we focus on. Right. We expect the wins to, uh, for the team to rebound. And uh, so I look forward to that. I'm expecting that. Go ahead, sir. Two things. One, Rick Barnes' name did come up in the conversation on yesterday. That was directly mentioned to uh, uh, A.D. Steve Patterson. The other thing that was discussed among ourselves and not brought up in an open forum, uh, but it was referenced to not make the same mistake that Tennessee made. Replacing Lane Kiffin? <laughs> you know, he's he's you supposed to be going to going to going to uh I would, consult down I would in be, Alabama. I would for be a while. really shocked if he was even considered for this job. Oh no, no, no. We're not talking about his name wouldn't didn't come up, but it was, the reference was we cannot afford to make a mistake. As bad as that one? As, as, ba- as bad as that Because we're talking about literally you lost a total handhold on the state of Tennessee for recruits. That's Literally. True. Yeah. No high school coaches. And then something was mentioned, and I got to wait until I get to Arlington to get it verified, but there's a reason why certain schools don't host high school football anymore certain, at certain universities. In the, in the state, especially on the uh, the lower levels, you know, like the Abilene Christians used to. Right. Uh, that's why they, that it, it's a reason why that it, it's gone to the bigger stadiums, and the, the school districts are just footing the bill and just just taking it there. Um, and it has to do with facilities more than anything, but also there's not a smile when they show up. You know, and I hope it's not what uh, not the same situation that happened here in town where. The high schools don't go to Hawthorne anymore. I hope it hadn't got to that that point. Let's touch on a couple of things. Get some scores from from my area schools. Prairie Women. Quick, if I'm wrong, sir, they're 0 and 8. Yes. They lost last two, two games of the weekend in the St. John's Classic, 79-50 to James Madison, and then 53-45 to Drexel. Not one of the closest games they had in the house. Uh, men are Russell 2 and 8. Also. Uh, Drexel beat St. John's. I think that's right. Yeah, but it's taken by St. John's as well. So, um, right. Uh, TSU ladies, Lady Tigers lost Sunday in overtime, eighty seventy nine to Missouri Kansas City. That's a few days after their makeup date game versus Kansas, where they lost uh, to the Jayhawks one hundred five to seventy eight. The men are three and seven after their eighty seven eighty loss road loss to Cal State Fullerton. We touched on HBU Huskies men losing 80 to 70 to uh, UT Arlington. HBU women were in Waco Sunday, and what was expected happened. They got slacked. They lost to Baylor, number nine ranked Baylor, 100 to 57. Their next game will be on the 19th at Cal State Bakersfield. Men, HBU men, next game will be at DePaul on Wednesday the 18th. Rice men, their next game will be Thursday before the game against Cougars on Saturday, playing Northwood. I'm not even sure what Northwood is, but it's Northwood, 11.30 tip-off game, a home game inside the house of Tudor. Wildcat, I don't want to forget this. Tuesday, ESPN2. We touched on it Thursday. We're going to touch on it again. Well. Number one, UConn. Number two. Duke, now, at Duke, what say you, sir? Oh, am I going to be watching? Are you going to change your prediction? Last podcast, he said a 25 points at, at least, right? Right, and I did my research, and I'll jump out there and say uh, I see 25. 
I'm going to go 20. Until be a little different. Until the players at Duke make a, a, a mental toughness note that this is not going to happen to us and we need to stop this, it's not going to happen. So you're sticking with 25? I'm sticking with 25. All right. Um, and I'll be shocked if it's closer than 10. Oh, yeah. I'm double digits, at least double digits. No, no question about that. Um, six o'clock, Houston time on ESPN2. I hope it's a good competitive game because I would hate for the national focus to shift to it's UConn and everybody else and we're only in December. And, and that even though it already is that, that to me, anyhow. But anyway, uh, UConn is getting back, is getting healthy. Got that? Kalina Mosqueda-Lewis and Morgan Tuck have been cleared and are expected to play in Tuesday's game, um, which doesn't bode well for Duke. But Duke has to shoot free throws. Three, Duke has to shoot three-point as well. Uh, Trisha listed after she well. She's shooting 53% from the three-point line. We'll see what she does against UConn's awesome team defense. That's one thing people really don't give enough credit to. Connecticut Connecticut has all-star talent. Everybody knows All-Americans, but they play great defense. So that's the reason why they win so many games and blow Absolutely. people out because yeah. of their defense. Um, Duke is here's a giveaway. Note here they're giving away Santa hats to the first five thousand fans who come to the game. Now contrast that. That's five thousand fans, whereas the Dickies shootout is expecting giving away two hundred tickets to the first two hundred fans who come dressed in Dickies apparel. Think there's a difference there in, in uh caliber of talent and expectation for fan support, fan attendance? Nope. But anyhow. Hopefully not. It, you know, I, I think the game will I hope I hope the referees won't have a major impact on the game. I hope there won't be too many fouls called. You know, that's post-call fouls. You know, new emphasis, new emphasis on hand checking and and uh, allowing the offensive players to move freely in the half court sets. So we'll see how that all plays out. Duke, I'm out. I don't know. If, I don't think there's any lines on this game, but Chelsea Gray, point guard for Duke, can't can foul trouble. If she does, they're they're, they're really gonna get shellacked. Um, Mariah Jefferson. From the state of Texas, going against, uh, I believe it was, uh, Alexis Jones. I think they're both from this state, actually. One's right handed, one's left handed. Both, notice I said that, um, Texas players both playing, and one's at Duke, one's at Connecticut. That says something about the power of those two programs, as well as the state of affairs in the state of Texas for elite talent. But, I'm like my, my colleagues. I don't believe the game. I hope it's close. I don't think it's going to be close. It is a head game with Duke. It's a head game with the players. It's a mind game with the coach. Coach McCall, I think it's in her head as well. Elizabeth Williams, center for Duke, center forward for Duke. She got out of foul trouble. Stephanie Dolson, center for UConn. That's stay out of foul trouble. Brianna Stewart, best player in the country, in my opinion, has to play like it for the Connecticut Huskies. If she does that, be too much talent for 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 Duke to handle. I'm going to say let's we're going to get some scores here. I'm I'm going to say uh, I'll say Huskies win 75-60. What do you say, sir? I'm thinking a little bit. You know, because you know loves beating up on Duke. He always had since uh, Gail was there. Um, uh, I would say um eighty five. To no more than sixty. Cause you said twenty-five. <laughs> Fifty-five. Okay, that's thirty. All right. Now I'm gonna go seventy-eight, fifty-eight. Twenty-four. Twenty points. Okay. Well, our next we, podcast we can talk about the result and hopefully it would be better. I hope, like I said, hopefully it's a competitive game. You know, we're gonna tweet about it, watch it as well, and tweet with some of my friends who I follow a lot of people who obviously who are women's basketball. Uh, writers, colleagues, and supporters, and players. So I'm kind of curious to see what what they say during the game Tuesday. We're going to wrap it up, but I want the listeners to know that the Wildcat and I 
have already applied for the Final Four in Nashville on the women's side. The process went live on Sunday. We already applied. You know, the early bird gets the worm. We're not assuming anything, but uh, we do believe we'll be in Nashville covering the Final Four for the 11th, 12th year in a row, whatever it is. So, and, two and be the only two people, Houston media members, at the Women's Final Four. And to that person in Birmingham Again. That, that told me, no, thank you. You just gave me more f- fuel to the fire, get headlong, and just keep moving forward. That's what we do. I want to say one thing. I almost forgot this. Uh, this past Saturday, I was on the sports panel uh, discussing, so you want to be a sports journalist, part of the Houston Association of Black Journalists, a sports panel mentor- mentorship breakfast for young aspiring journalists, high school students and college students, and some adults who, are, who want to be journalists as well. Uh, that's, I, was, I enjoyed that. I was with part of the panel with Rob Ford of the Astros, uh, play-by-play guy, Rebecca Briscoe of Houston Style Magazine, and Tiffany Blackman of Comcast Sports Houston. All four of us were part of the panel. Made some nice connections. Met some young, aspiring journalists who are already following me on Twitter, retweeting some of my stuff already. They pick my brain. I pick theirs. So that was fun. I've been invited to be on another sports panel at Prairie View in February. So I'm looking forward to that. It, it feels kind of good to be able to give back. You know, it feels, feels even better that people acknowledge and appreciate the little bit that I do to try to help out everybody else. So, so that, that's a good thing. So we're going to wrap it up. How can folks find you, Wildcat? You can find me online, the social media network, um, on YouTube, Blogger, and Twitter at AKSVDCSR. Uh, to make it simpler for you, you can also find me online at the Kingside View dot com a king size view dot com the online edition of a king size view the newspaper magazine print go to the front page and tap the college sports report and my information will come up you will see the uh post game interviews from hbu's men's basketball team versus uh ut arlington ut lady longhorns uh Post game with uh, Coach Ashton, uh, Necker, and Selena. I will not attempt to pronounce their last names because I do refuse to butcher a kid or another athlete's last name the way some of our compadres do in this business just because they presume to be the smartest person in the room and sometimes. We all have noticed they can be the most uh, dumbest person in the room. Neka M. Kali? Yes. There you go. There got, you go. I got that from this on, on, on TV. That's the only reason I know it. So, yeah. Uh, and other than that? That was good. Other than that? Uh, that's all that uh, that's all I have. And as we say, uh, on Saturday, I'll be in Arlington at the uh, uh, AT&T Stadium watching uh, the first game will be Brent, uh, uh, three local teams from the area will be involved in the uh, uh, state championship. Brenham, Pearland, and Katy. And the train rolls. And folks that's on the track, the Houston train will run you over. Doc, how can folks contact you, sir? Yes, again, you can uh, catch me on the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That's Dr. Kenyatta Caville, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N. Y-A-T-T-A, the sports professor. You can also find me on the platform of the College Sporting News, as well as TSPN Sports and Onondon.com. That's www.onnidan.com in terms of different blog spheres that are out there to read my information out there. Or you can send me emails directly if you have questions at kcaville at thg-agency.com. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. Uh, the website is www.houstonroundballreview.com. Houston Round Ball Review is the Instagram account. It is the YouTube channel. On Twitter, it's T-H-E-H-R Review. I also have a Facebook fan page. And 
going to throw it out there for 2014 as our goal. should be an immediate goal of ours. We will uh, have a Facebook fan page for the podcast, for the KG Bipper Wildcat and Doc podcast. Look at that in the hopefully near future. So we're trying to branch out. We're still always looking for um, sponsors of a podcast. We're networking and doing things on that end as well. I said it Thursday, and I, I firmly believe it. I think 2014 is going to be a great year for the podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. Look forward to the Duke-Connecticut game on Tuesday. I look forward to the Rice U of H Aggies Sooners doubleheader on Saturday at Toyota Center. I'm probably giving more pub than half of the sports media here in town has already done for that doubleheader because I haven't seen or heard it anywhere else. That's right. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you, as always. Wildcat, have a good time in Arlington. Be safe. Watch out for those things that go bump in the night. That's true. Those carts. Those golf carts, those runaway golf carts. And uh, hopefully we'll see whose prediction comes true regarding uh, Duke-UConn <laughs> basketball game. Rockets play the Bulls on Wednesday. Omer Isaac should be with a new team by Friday. So that'll be new new fodder for the next podcast. We'll wrap it up. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.